so we've had the privilege to walk beside in him Christian counseling for a number of years as, as has been presented. And uh, as you know, we've been able to provide space for them that God is using powerfully, powerfully in the, in the Dream Center. So the portion of the offering that will go to in him Christian counseling specifically goes to in him Christian counseling or Christian wellness here at the Dream Center. And it provides uh, subsidies for people to be able to have counseling and, uh, and receive counseling who otherwise would not be able to afford it. So our goal this year is to raise a total of thirty thousand uh, dollars that we can then distribute between these three ministries, and uh, and we're we're uh, again just asking you to give as God lays on your heart. Uh, so when to give again? And we said that today is a starting day. Now some of you are very ambitious and have already been contributing, and we thank you for the gifts that have uh, been given already. Uh, but today is the is the official launch day of receiving the the Christmas uh, offering, and that will continue for a week through uh, through next Sunday. So the ways that you can give are at our offering boxes, the, the donation boxes that are here in the worship center and out in the lobby. They're envelopes and they're labeled Christmas offering. So uh, if you want your offering to go specifically to that, just slip your uh, donation into that envelope and drop it in the box. Uh, you can also give electronically. Uh, so through our website or the PushPay app. And there's a drop down that has been added for a 2021 Christmas offering. And then uh, the other way would be that you can mail in checks. And uh, again, the checks get made to GFCS and then uh, just mark in the memo uh, for the Christmas offering. Uh, so we're excited for what God is going to do through this. And I trust that you've been praying. And again, today is the launch day, but we have this week. Um, so Joel and I are still discerning exactly what God would call us uh, to give. And we're looking forward to, uh, to that gift that's probably gonna be given later today. But then I wanna be open through the rest of this week to hear God speak if he's calling me to worship in additional ways. Uh, so we wanna just commit, again, this offering to the Lord and, uh, and, and just ask that God would specifically minister to us and through us and be a blessing to these ministries. God, thank you, and God, for who you are, Lord. We've sung and we've lifted up the beauty of you. And God, we thank you for those of us who have committed our lives and surrendered our lives to you that all that we are and all that we have is yours. So God, we now present ourselves before you and pray, God, that you would speak clearly to us and lead us in the way that you would have us to give. Lord, we thank you for these ministries and the impact that they're having. Uh, God, we thank you, Lord, for Young Life, and we thank you for First Fruits Farm and for In Him Christian Wellness. And God, we pray, Lord, your blessings on, that min on these ministries, and we pray that you continue to use us, God, to uh, bless them, that they can be a blessing to others. Uh, so God, uh, we thank you again for the joy that it is to give in your name. And God, we just uh, pray that in all things that you will be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So this week, we have some exciting things coming up. Uh, this Friday night, we have two services. Uh, they're one, about one hour each, and they're gonna be at four o'clock and six o'clock. It'll be uh, basically the same service both times. And uh, we want to encourage you uh, to certainly come and worship on Christmas Eve, but also use this as an opportunity to reach out to those that may not have a place where they regularly worship. And this will be an opportunity for them to come and be among God's people. Uh, for those that uh, typically are joining us online, we welcome you always, and there will be live streaming at four o'clock. And we also invite those that maybe haven't connected in person for a while uh, to take advantage of this opportunity to come out and worship uh, God together on Christmas Eve. Then next Sunday will be a different schedule, so we wanna make sure that you're aware of that. We've been, at, been announcing this, but next Sunday, the day after Christmas, December 26th, there'll be just one service, and that will be at 10 o'clock. Uh, so if you uh, typically come at nine o'clock, you still may come, but the service won't start till 10. Um, <laughs> For those later that may come at 11, you'll, you'll probably miss most of it. So, <laughs> um, so we do wanna make sure that you uh, mark your calendars and uh, come and join us for these times of worship. Today, we're looking at the word became flesh. Word became flesh. It's six days till Christmas. Not a surprise to many, hopefully. <laughs> You're aware of where we are at in the calendar, but, but when we say that, there may be some kind of response that you just felt. There may be even a physical response, not just an emotional response, but there may be some kind of a response or thoughts that are running through your mind when we think about six days till Christmas. Uh, now for many, there may be, it may be excitement that you're so looking forward to it, you've been planning for it, this is a highlight of the year, uh, you're one of those Christmas people that starts in August, okay? Um, but this, it may bring excitement. You know, for others, 
It may bring panic. So like when I said six days, you're thinking, wait, shipping is, how, how soon can I get that here? You know, um, so it may be the panic thing setting in. Uh, for some, it may be great hope and anticipation that this is a time where, where you're confident that God is gonna do beautiful things as you gather with family and friends and you're, again, you're looking forward to it. And others, it may be dread that this is a day that honestly you're not looking forward to. And there are understandable reasons for that. For some, there may be, again, great joy as we anticipate Christmas and the celebration of Christ's birth. And for others, it's sadness because of where things are in your life. Now, the reality is that we cannot, there's a lot of circumstances in life that are beyond our control. Yes, there are things that, decisions that we can make and things that we can do that, um, that posture us in a certain way, but there are other things that are beyond our control. And often those things that are beyond our control can become heavy and they can, can become burdensome. And especially at the holidays, this can be a very challenging time. Especially when we look around and we see so many that seem so joyful and seem so connected in family and friends, and that's just not where we're at. And what I want to encourage all of us to do is to draw close to God in this time. If this is a time of sadness for you, I wanna encourage you to, first of all, reach out to God. Bring your sadness to Him. And I wanna encourage you to reach out to others, especially believers that can walk alongside of you. I wanna encourage you to gather in gatherings so that you can find support and you can be lifted up. And there is a specific way, a specific gathering that may be helpful for you. And that's going to be tomorrow night here at Grace. Blue Christmas is offered for those that are going through a time of sadness and grieving. It's an opportunity for us to come together in that sadness and grieving and to have a quiet, intimate time together with the Lord to allow him to minister the way he desires to in this season. And you know, the reality is, is that, um, you know, I just read a quote, I read it many times over the years, but I looked it up because it just was really coming to me is that, you know, in life so many times we're trying to, to move out of where we're at. And you know, there's times in life where we really, when we're joyful, we just need to be joyful. When we're sad, we need to allow ourselves to be sad. And if we have a sweet cup, don't make it bitter. And if we have a bitter cup, don't make it sweet, but, but don't walk, walk through this without God and without others. Because we need to accept where we are in life and allow God to, to carry us from where we are and through where we are to where he desires us to be. So especially for those that this is a difficult season, we want you to know that God loves you. And God is desiring to touch your life in a deep way, to come alongside of you even though um, you may be dreading this holiday and he desires to give you peace. And I know we've prayed multiple times already, but I just really felt like um, it could be important for us to lift one another at this time, um, especially for those that are struggling. So God, thank you, Lord, for your gift. God, we thank you, Lord, for your love and the gift of Christ and how we see you through the gift of Christ. And Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters that right now is a very difficult time for many reasons. God, of broad circumstances. A God, that can bring great heaviness and sadness in this time. Lord, we pray that each one, Lord, would find, Lord, your presence in a, in a special and a sweet way, God. That each one, Lord, would find your comfort and your peace. God, as, as we hear and we sing peace on earth, God, we pray for peace in hearts. God, we pray for your comfort, your divine comfort. And we pray, Lord, that there would be the reaching out, Lord, to connect and to walk alongside one another, God, in your love. God, we pray that this season, this Christmas season, would be a time of healing. God, that it would be time of strengthening. And we thank you, God, that we have confidence that you are with us. So, Lord, we ask these things in your name, and we offer ourselves as instruments to help and to come alongside one another. We're so thankful again for your eternal love. In Jesus' name, amen. So 
Last week, uh, Pastor Brent, Ben wrapped up the, our journey through the Gospel of John. And what a beautiful presentation we had as we looked at the end of, of the book and the, the conversation, the interaction between Jesus and Peter. And as we looked at that conversation, we saw some things that, that apply to each one of our lives. That God has a calling on every single one of our lives. And with that calling comes guarantees. That as we hear and we respond to God's calling, that there is a cost. But with that cost, God also gives courage that we can walk strong and we can walk in his strength and in the surety that comes from him. And in addition, there is glory and that glory is to God. So we wrap that up and again, the, the, the goal of the series had been, has, has been that we would know God more, that we would know Jesus in a deeper way. And that's the goal of, of all of the ministry here, that all of us, all the time, would be constantly drawing closer and knowing Jesus in a deeper way. And it was beautiful to hear testimonies at the end of the service of how God, again, has been working in lives. And we rejoice and we give God the glory and the credit for the work that he is doing. We're going to use as a foundational text for this week, both for today and for Christmas Eve, scripture from John, and we're not starting the series over again, <laughs> but we're going back to the foundations that were laid. John chapter one, verse 14. John had wrote these words, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. And this is going to be our focus for this morning as we look at the word becoming flesh. A word that you may have heard and maybe even used and you've sung it in Christmas carols is the, is the word incarnation. And incarnation is the word becoming flesh. And the definition or a definition that's often used for incarnation is embodied in the flesh or taking on flesh, incarnation, embodied in the flesh or taking on flesh. So I want you to, um, to think of it in this way. If you had a personal dictionary, and that dictionary was words that, that would be defined, but instead of a written definition next to the word, there would be a picture of a person, okay? so. So that would be an embodiment. Like an, so for instance, if I would say, okay, you look up the word humorous, whose picture? Who would be the embodiment of humorous? Who would be humorous in the flesh, okay? Flip over a few pages. Kind, whose picture would be there to define the word kind? Witty, witty. Whose picture? Are you guys seeing pictures? Okay, a couple more words to look up. Cheerful. When you look at the word cheerful, whose picture is beside that word? Wise. Whose picture? Peaceful. And finally, loving. You have pictures of people that just come to your mind when you think of these words. These people would be incarnations, these characteristics in the flesh. Now, as I gave you those list of words, if with every word you saw your picture, <laughs> you think far too highly of yourself. <laughs> if you thought of my picture for all of those, you think far too highly of me. <laughs> Now, we can laugh about that, but there are people that, again, just embody these words, these characteristics. And what we're looking at today is, is the one who embodies God. The word became flesh. Now, I want to um, I want to just touch on this quickly because I don't know if you noticed, but all of those words that I listed were very positive. I didn't ask you to put a picture's a picture of a person, and try not to do this, try to block it, okay. <laughs> Ignorant, cruel, you know, things like that. I, I didn't want us to put pictures there because you know what? We, our society does that far too quickly. And we get swept into this. 
same thing. Where we can think of a person or hear, hear a word that is negative. And you know what? God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to think of things that are wholesome, that are pure, that are holy. So what we're going to be looking at today as we put our dictionaries away, we're opening the word of God and we're looking at, at Christ. And we're gonna focus on characteristics of God that are revealed in Christ in the manger. We're looking at the greatest incarnation of all human history and it is God becoming flesh. So what I'd like us to do is to read passage, a passage of scripture responsibly and I'm gonna ask if you would please stand for those that are able to. And for those that are online, uh, you're more than welcome to stand where you are as well. But if you'll please stand now. I'm gonna be projecting scripture and we're gonna read responsibly. So we're reading from Matthew chapter one, beginning with verse 18. And I'm going to read uh, the verses that are in regular text. And then if you would please respond by reading the passages that are in bold. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Thank you so much for reading the word together. You may be seated. So this story is not new to many of us. Many of us may have read that passage for all of our lives. And in this passage, we hear of this process of a young woman who was betrothed to Joseph, married, betrothed to Joseph. And what that means is that they established a covenant that committed to marriage. And in order for that covenant to be broken, it was before they were, they were officially married, but, before, but for that covenant to be broken, there would have to be a divorce. The situation is that Mary becomes pregnant and Joseph knows this is not his child. But God is working in these circumstances and, and, the, and we're gonna see that, that as we walk through this that, that God chose people that he could trust. He chose people who would walk this difficult path in a way that would bring honor and glory to God. But in this passage, we have several names for the Son of God. We have Christ or Messiah, which means the anointed one, it's a title. We have Jesus, in the Hebrew would be Joshua, it means Savior, or Jehovah is salvation. And we have that verse that is still on the screen that says Emmanuel, God with us. Think about that, God with us. There's a stanza from the song, Mary Did You Know, that verbalizes this so beautifully, and it's just been uh, just really capturing me as I've been looking at this passage. The song asked Mary, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kissed your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know that God became flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, has come to earth? And we've been focusing through this service and worship and song, we've been focusing on the Christ and we've been, try, we've been trying to make sure that we're keeping him again centered and, and foremost and lifted high. But I wanna speak to what many of us, maybe all of us have experienced, is that in the celebration of the birth of Christ, Christ often slips to the side. 
I don't know about you, but have, have you gone through a Christmas season when you, uh, you looked back after Christmas and you thought, yeah, maybe it was a good celebration, but Christ wasn't there as much as I wanted him to be? Have you felt that? I, I know I have, and, and, and that's on me. So, you know, there can be this, this effort that we can put in because Christmas is about being busy and doing and, and you know, going here and there and making the list. And, and, and so we can think, it's like, okay, what do I need to do to bring myself to that place where I'm, I'm just, you know, I experience that emotion with Christ and I, I have that feeling that, that he's, he really is central like, like he deserves to be in, in the celebration. And what I've been called to and drawn to this season so clearly, and, and we've been experiencing, and I wanna encourage you to this, is that the key to having Christ centered in the celebration is to pause. Is to pause. And so many times I know I can, I can I'll testify to this, so many times I can be seeking, it's like, okay, it's a familiar story, what can I learn new that I didn't know before? And I can be seeking and digging and all this, and, and you know what? I'm finding like this season, like all I need to do is pause and look at Christ. And whether it's something new or it's a bringing back of something that I've seen in him before and I've experienced with him before, that pause and that focus brings me to the place where I desire to be. I know that God desires me to be but where Christ is first and foremost in the celebration of Christmas. And what I've been doing is just coming to the manger in preparation for this morning And I'm so thankful because it's preparing me for the season, just coming to the manger and beholding him in the flesh. Just looking at the Christ child in the manger. And as I've been looking, I've seen three things. And these are not the only things that are being revealed. But there's three primary things that I would like us to look at together that as I'm beholding God in the flesh, I'm seeing three things that are just just deeply impacting me. And they're, their humility, trust, and love. That when I look at the manger and I behold the Christ child, I see humility, trust, and love. And as we go through and we look at these three things, there's three ways that I want us to look at each aspect or characteristic of God that's revealed in the Christ child. I want us to see in Jesus each of these to see that how God through Christ brought these gifts to mankind. So we're going to look and see in him, in Jesus. And then to see in us, and this is how, how we receive that gift. It's all about the gift. It's the gift that God gives, but then that gift needs to be received, and that's, that's in us. And then finally, through us. How God is desiring for that gift not just to be given to us, not just to be received by us, but through us that we share the gift of him with others. So we're gonna just, again, walk through these three things and I trust that, that together we will see God afresh and that we will see these characteristics and these aspects of God and we will embrace them and we will receive them and commit to share them. That the gift that we have freely received, that too we will freely give. So the first one that we're going to be looking at is humility, is humility. In Jesus, God humbled himself and became a baby. Now for those of us that have grown up in the Christian faith, we've always, like through our lifetime, we've always seen God revealed in flesh. Like from the littlest, the youngest years, we've seen the manger scenes and we've celebrated, we've seen God in flesh, the little ceramic baby in that manger. <laughs> to the, for uh, for me, growing up, the flannel boards with Jesus walking, you know, among his disciples, and but but we've seen God in flesh. But yet, I want you to think about to two thousand years ago, that the revelation of people had of God was strictly through the Old Testament and through creation. And their perception of God was, they had not seen God in the flesh. In fact, they knew from Exodus chapter 33 that God had said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. They saw God as the one who has created all things. And these are ways that we see God, but yet we, again, we, we have more that we see because of 
where we live, when we live. But they saw God as, as the God of all creation who formed all things. They saw God as the, the mighty, the almighty, who brought judgment upon the whole earth for sin in order to purify and to set aside people to himself. And started over again, and then built, called a nation to himself and freed a nation from slavery, the, the almighty God who split the waters so that his children could walk through. They saw the power of God that, that came down as a fire and consumed sacrifice. They saw, again, this almighty God. And then when Jesus comes, they see that God, the same God that we worship, but they see that God now coming in flesh. And I want you to think about the humility that they saw, the humility of God. That that same God who spoke worlds into being, that same God who had interacted with his people, who displayed his power, who could be seen throughout all of creation, is now in a baby. We've, I believe that I've become so accustomed, so familiar with this, that, that, that some of the, the greatness of it eludes me. And I desire to see in a fresh and a deeper way the great humility of God. that the King of kings and the Lord of lords came into the earth in a stable. The best palace that could be built and the highest place that, that could be offered would not be good enough for him. Truly, he's deserving of more, but yet he came in a stable. And he was born in Bethlehem, a small town outside of Jerusalem, in that place where lambs were birthed and were raised in order to be sacrificed. He came with nothing special about his appearance. You know, again, the artistic representations often show the, the halos, the glowing, and something special about this Jesus, but yet Scripture tells us that there's nothing special that we would admire him, that would be drawn to him. He was ordinary. This is the humility of our God. And the way that he entered the world, the, the place that he came into, the, the method of his birth tells us this, that he is willing to come to anybody, anywhere. That he is desiring again to come and to just be. And the humbling of himself built this bridge between God and man. There's a story that I, that I just recently heard that has really impacted me. It's about a missionary named Dr. George Harley. He went to Liberia to minister to the African tribe of the Manu tribe in the mid-1920s. He went there again as a physician. He built a clinic and a chapel. Tribes people helped him do those very things. But for five years, they would come to the clinic and they would receive physical care and, and help in regards to their health, but not one came to the chapel for five years. Now his story and his wife's story goes as this, is that, that they had a son, their firstborn named Bobby. Just before Bobby turned five, he came down with uh, the tropical fever. And even though uh, Dr. Harley, he was a physician, he could not bring healing to his son. And his son died just before he turned five. Dr. Harley went to his wood shop and he built a wooden box and placed his son in that box and nailed the wood on top. And he was carrying it to a place nearby in order to dig a grave. An older man in the tribe saw him carrying this box and said, what is that? Dr. Harley explained, it's, it's my son. He's died. I'm going to bury him. And the, the elder tribesman came alongside and helped him carry the box and with him dug the hole and placed that, that, that coffin into the, into the ground and they covered it with dirt. Dr. Harley just broke. He wept. The tribesman was watching just intently and observing what was happening. And after a little bit, he got up and he started running toward the village. And he was shouting these words, white man, white man, he cries like one of us. And there's moments of deep despair and suffering. A bridge was built. Later that night, as Dr. Harley and his wife were grieving at their home, there's a knock at the door and almost the entire tribe is standing there in support of them. 
the next Sunday at chapel, it is filled to overflowing. The ministry continued there and he served for decades. Now that clinic grew to where up to 10,000 patients a year were treated. People were coming to Christ. Relationship was built, trust was built. And why was it? Because the tribe realized that he was like them and in his sorrow, in his sorrow, a bridge was built. God has come in flesh to come alongside of us and to help us to know that he gets us. He understands where we are. He understands our walk. He's building that bridge so that in the flesh he can say, I've been there. Now the reality is that God has always been. He has always been present. He has always understood. He doesn't need to come alongside of me in my flesh to know me because he's here. He knows me better than I know myself. He knows my thoughts. He knows my words before I speak them. There's no place I can go that he is not there. But yet he came in the flesh so that we could see that he knows us that he, he walks, he's walked where we walk. He humbled himself, not just to become a man, but to become a baby. He humbled himself. So that is God in Jesus revealing humility in us as we receive this gift of humility from God. In us, humility is expressed by us receiving his life in us that we need to humble ourselves in order to receive the beauty of God into our lives. You know, Scripture multiple times says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And there's so many times we can look at God and we can see his beauty and say, God, you're too good. I cannot come near you. And while that is true, he is so good that he is unapproachable. He calls us, he invites us to himself, but we need to humble ourselves and say, God, I come to you. I confess that, that in and of myself, I cannot stand before you. I confess that I am a sinner deserving of hell, but I humble myself and I receive your life, that gift that you have given. I humble myself and I come before you and say that, God, I can't. God, I know that you can and I will let you do the work in, your, in my life that you desire to do. So the gift of humility that God gives in Jesus, then we can embrace in order to receive Jesus into our own lives, that then we can be humble before others. And that humility can flow through us so that, that we humble ourselves before other people by honoring them and giving them value. In Romans chapter 12, verse three, Paul writes this to the, to the Romans. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. That we need to be careful not to come before one another and not to walk in a way among, among other people that would be prideful, but yet to understand that, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, that we are, all, we are all the same and that we are all broken, sinful people in need of God. And that we give honor and that we give value to other people. We see the humility of God, we respond to him in humility, but then that humility needs to go out from us. Now, referring back to Dr. George Harley, his humility before that tribesman changed a ministry, probably rippled out to impact thousands upon thousands of lives. It was a humility, it was him being willing to allow the inside to come out. Now, truly, he was over, overwrought with grief and probably didn't even realize what, what he was doing, but he could have, knowing that tribesman was there, he could have held it all in and tried to hold it together. I can't let them see my weakness. But instead, his humility before others opened a door. Now, we've been experiencing this here at Grace Fellowship since its foundation and continuing to see it. In fact, we're seeing an acceleration even in the way that God uses humility among us to build bridges and give a pathway for Jesus' life to flow powerfully. 
And it's through the confessional community movement that we're seeing more and more that as we humbly come before one another and in community share our struggles, we share our weaknesses, we, we come together in safe places that we can open up and that builds bridges of connection because we realize that we're not the only one with these struggles. We're not the only one with these weaknesses. And in humility, we also share our testimony because we recognize that as God works in us, that, that it is he that works in us. And in humility, we can give testimony and, and declare that in this problem, in this challenge, in this situation, I'm finding victory, and it is because of God. All praise be to our God. As we're moving into this new year, we're going, we're, we, we already have groups that are forming out of the, the, leadership, the confessional leadership training. We already have groups that are starting right now of everyday discipleship where it gives opportunity for us to, again, in safe place, be humble with one another give testimony and find deeper and greater life. And as we move into this new year, this movement, we're sensing already that God is going to just do incredible work in our lives as we walk in humility among one another for God's glory. So we see in Jesus humility. We receive by being humble, we receive that gift and we share that gift of humility. Then we look at trust. We look at trust. I want you to think about this. What's the most valuable thing that you've ever held in your hand? For the guys, like, I was thinking of something for ladies, for the guys that might be a remote control, you know? <laughs> but, but really, like, what's the most valuable thing that you've held in your hand? Uh, one thing that came to my mind when I asked myself this question, it was a check for over $1.2 million that I held in my hand. It was not payable to Mark Fair. Uh, but about 20 years ago, I was working on a project and an insurance check came in and it's like literally, I'm holding a check for one, over $1.2 million. That felt pretty valuable. But that check or many of the other things that we would have thought about, most valuable thing we held, held, in, held in our hand, uh, would pale in comparison to the Christ child that Joseph and Mary held. I want you to think about this, how God trusted himself to this young couple. He trusted himself, God Almighty, God of all creation. Now like, did he have this backup plan where he's gonna like, you know, okay, if they don't do it, plan B, I've got them. You know what I mean? I've got my kid. You know, I think he really just trusted them, trusted his son into this couple. I mean, that's absolutely amazing to me. They're not perfect. I mean, they, they were good people, have incredible values, and they had a connection with God, but, but God trusted himself into them. He trust, God trusted himself for his son to be placed in the womb of a young lady and to go through the birthing process and to be a no, newborn baby that was totally dependent upon his parents. God's trust displayed through God becoming flesh through Jesus Christ is absolutely overwhelming. He trusted this couple. Now, what's amazing as well is that we look in the mirror and we see, wow, this is who you trust now? God is entrusting himself to us. He's entrusting his life into our hands. So what do we do with that? Our response, I trust, is that we yield to him, to his spirit. We trust God by yielding to his spirit to give us life and to form us. That the gift of trust that God has invested in us, then we can embrace and return to him. And say, God, I trust you. Now that's much easier said than done many times. Because I can say that very easily with my mouth, but yet with my life, I'm called and I draw, I'm drawn to trust in him for the ability to trust in him, right? That he gives us a measure of faith and we just reach out and say, God, God, I do believe I trust you, but God, help me to trust you more. 
And that trust is first manifested in our relationship with God by us stepping into a relationship with God. What that, what that is, it's salvation that we are trusting God with our eternity. That we are trusting God that his provision through Jesus Christ will take us to heaven to be with him forever. That's a step of trust, a huge step of trust. The most important step of trust that we can take in our lives is, is first and foremost to trust him for our salvation. And for those that may be here or, or joining us online that you have not taken that step, I want to encourage you that as you look at the Christmas story to see that God is fully trustworthy. That his provision is complete. That, that when Jesus came as a baby, he was coming as that lamb that would be slain that his life and his death was for us and that we find salvation, we find right relationship with God in only one way, it's through Jesus Christ, that we trust that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father but by him. So salvation is available to all who will receive, who will believe, who will entrust their lives back to him. And if you have not taken that step in your life, this can be your best Christmas ever in your life by receiving the birth of Christ in you. And even as Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit in, within Mary, so it is that you and I are born again by the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit brings life into us. And that invitation is for all. Trust him with your life. Trust him for eternal life. But then that trust continues because those of us who have stepped into that relationship with God are called to trust him daily, moment by moment by moment. You know, and it's easy often to trust him when things are good. When situations are good, I've, I, I'm, I've been doing a little bit of analyzing myself and I'm, I'm realizing more and more often when situations are good and, and life is easy, I'm not sure I'm trusting God so much as the circumstances. That's just me, I'm not, I, I don't know, allow God to speak to you if, if that's what the Spirit would desire, but, but it's so easy, I can say, oh yeah, I trust God. Well, if those circumstances change, will I still, will I still trust Him? So for all of us, when we face things that we don't expect, things that we do not want, will I trust the Lord? Will I see the trust that He's placed in me and will I return to Him that trust? And that is the work of transformation. That is the work of growing deeper and deeper in Christ. But to trust God when it's tough, to trust God when it's things that we do not understand, it requires me to focus on his character, to dig deep into his word, to listen to his Holy Spirit, to come alongside others who will build me up in the faith and allow my trust in God to be strengthened. And God has called us to walk in faith community together, that we can help one another with our trust in God and with our surrender to him. And then through us, God's trust can be manifested as we put our trust in others. We trust others to God. And there's two primary ways I've listed here. First of all, by praying, and secondly, by investing in their lives. Prayer is a tremendous demonstration of trust. It's when I lift my situations, your situations, the things that touch our lives, I trust them to God. I exercise faith by bringing those situations before God and saying, God, would you work in a way, Lord, that will manifest yourself? We are called to allow trust to flow through us and prayer is a key thing. Recently read that, something to the effect that, that it's, um, prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is where we are trusting God and we're coming to alignment with him. And, and in the spirit realm, things are happening because we're trusting him. But then we trust one another in relationship and in community. That we come alongside of one another. And Paul invested himself so much in others that he literally de describes it in this way in Galatians chapter five, the way he entrusted his life to others and to helping them grow in their faith, he said this, that I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. His investment in trusting 
trusting himself and the, and the ministry, the word of God into others was to that extent that, it was that it was, he was going through the, the pains of childbirth for this purpose, that Christ would be formed in you. And the thing is, when, when we're investing ourselves in others, we're trusting the work of God. That means that even when we don't see the, the results that we hope for, we keep serving, we keep giving, we keep investing because it's a work of trust. And then Paul said that, that again, follow my example. Follow me as I follow Christ. It's entrusting our lives to one another in such a way that we're walking in faith, that we're coming alongside of one another and we're being encouragement and we're helping one another on this journey. And the last characteristic that we're gonna be looking at this morning is love. This has been throughout this day. The Advent reading that started this service was about love. God giving himself for all. There is no greater incarnation of love than Jesus Christ. There's no greater picture of what true love is in the flesh than when we look at Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes would not perish but would have everlasting life. And when we look in that manger, we are seeing the love of God we are seeing the love of God expressed because that beautiful child born in Bethlehem, the place where lambs were born to be sacrificed. That beautiful child is the lamb of God who takes away from the sin of the world. And how does he do that? By laying down his life. By giving his life as a ransom for all. He gave the gift of love in giving his life. as we look in the manger for Christmas, let's see the shadow of the cross. Let's see how God has expressed his love, not just to come and live among us, not just to come and do the miraculous, not just to come and to speak truth and to reveal God through his living, but to give his life for us. Greater love has no man than this, and what Jesus has done for us. So that gift of love is seen in Christ. And then in us, the first and foremost thing that we need to do with that love is to return it to the one who is worthy. That as we look at that gift of love in Christ, that we will love God by giving ourselves to him first. Second Corinthians, Paul talks about that love that compels and different translations say it constrains, it overmasters, it controls, that the love of God has such an impact on my life that, that that love drives me, that I want to love God with all that I am because he loves me in a way that goes beyond my comprehension. Let that love overmaster us today. Allow that love, that love relationship with our God to grow deeper and deeper as we again gaze upon the Christ and then ultimately, then that love goes through us. It goes through us that we share God's love with others by truly caring for them. How am I allowing the, the love of God to touch my life and to move in me so that that love then is touching others? That they see the heart of God because my words are God's words. And my, my deeds, my actions are God working through me. To realize that Christmas, the birth of Christ is not something just 2,000 years ago, but, but it is life itself coming to us. The word made flesh. That he and only he can transform our lives in a way that gives glory and honor to God. So we look and we see Christ in the manger. The word become flesh. We see that Jesus is God's gift of humility, of trust, and of love. And in this season, he's desiring to do something fresh in our lives. Maybe it is to bring new revelation. Maybe it's to bring remembrance of what we've embraced in the past. But it is to bring him, the person of Christ, first and foremost 
into all of our living and into all of our celebration. That this Christmas will be a Christmas that we can look back on and with praise and thanksgiving say, God, you have been glorified. Jesus, you have been seen in my celebration. You have been, been, you have been seen in my gatherings and my remembrances. You have been seen through this greater than anything else. May it be that we would see him and he would be seen through us in that way this season. We're gonna close in a time of of just beholding Jesus as we uh, sing the song of worship, but I'd like to give us a Christmas list for this week. We have six days till Christmas. It takes some time just to sit and behold him, to read the first two chapters of Matthew and the first two chapters of Luke and the, the coming of Christ to this earth. But as you sit with these Christmas stories and these scriptures, I want you to spend time just looking into the manger. See how God reveals himself in the Christ child. Yes, I, I believe that you'll see the humility, the trust, the love, and you're gonna see other characteristics and aspects of God that God's saying, me in flesh, here I am. Take time to just be with him. And then surrender to that life of God in you. Allow his life to flow through you to others. And allow your life to be a blessing, a gift of Christ through you to a world that desperately needs, needs him. So now I would invite you, if, uh, if you would choose to, to stand or to sit or to kneel, uh, however you would choose to respond, as we sing in worship, behold him.